Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast, the official podcast of FilmPulse.net. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is episode number 158. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we have Kevin Rakestraw. How you doing, Kevin? I'm doing all right. This week we'll be reviewing Buzzard, which is currently available in select cities in VOD, and Faults, which is also playing in limited release and video on demand. We're also going to be talking about some of what we've been watching, and of course we'll be going over this week's movie predictions, new on video on demand, and DVD and Blu-ray releases. Remember, you can send us your questions to podcast.filmpulse.net, or leave us a comment on the site. We'd love to hear from you. Uh... There was a couple things that I wanted to mention just real briefly, because we sometimes talk about TV on this show, very rarely, but every now and then there's like a show that that comes along that I want to just mention, and I will say, if you haven't checked out The Last Man on Earth on Fox, <laughs> do so. <laughs> do so. It's the uh, show with created by Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Stars uh, Bill Hader, um, not Bill Hader, Will Forte. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know why. Every time I get I get those two guys mixed up all the time. I do the same thing. Either way, very funny show. And also, the the new Tina Fey show came out on Netflix. The Unbreakable I, Kimmy Schmidt. I didn't get a chance to see that yet. That's very funny, too. So... Uh-oh. Two Uh-oh. two very solid comedies came out this week. Check those out. You can, you can never have too many comedies. I agree. Have you seen that show, Fresh Off the Boat, on ABC? No. I was initially pretty hesitant about it. I was like, eh, I don't know about that one. But I watched the the pilot, and the, the, the night that it came out, they, there was two episodes that they played, and I watched it, and I've been... Completely hooked ever since. It takes place in the mid mid nineties, and okay. the main the main character he's our age roughly because he was he was our age back in the nineties. And there's a lot of nineties pop culture references, so it very much makes me feel nostalgic. But he's uh, really into hip hop, so he's always wearing like. Nas t-shirts and stuff and he has these fantasies about being in hip-hop videos in the 90s and stuff and they play a lot of good music too they've been playing like Wu-Tang and Ice Cube and but it's a really funny show too the the guy from the guy who played uh Kim Jong-il in um the interviews in it he's also in Veep okay I can't remember his name but uh very funny show too so fresh off the boat Check that out. I might, I might have to check that one out, though. That was a surprise, because I, I really wasn't expecting much, but yeah, I've been really enjoying it. It's really funny. Gotcha. So, at any rate, do you want to just dive dive right into our first movie? I'm, like, head first. Head first? Straight okay. into all right. it. All right, all right. We're talking about Buzzard. This is written and directed by Joel Petroikis, and... That's... Sounded pretty good. I have a synopsis here. Paranoia forces small-time scam artist Marty to flee his hometown and hide out in a da- in a dangerous Detroit. With nothing but a pocket full of bogus checks, his power glove, and a bad temper, the horror metal slacker lashes out. Now, oh boy! Now you were go- maybe going to do <laughs> for- that. Yeah, that didn't work out. <laughs> that didn't happen. All right, so uh, didn't happen. 
All right, so I guess I'll I'll start it since I wrote a, I did write a review for Faults, so I'll start it off with Buzzard. I actually like this movie quite a bit. Oh boy, I had a really really good time with Buzzard. It's that kind of it, it had a uh, Napoleon Dynamite feel, at least to okay. me it did at at times. Uh, the the comedy in it at least had kind of a Napoleon Dynamite feel to it, uh, but the one thing that I found really interesting about Buzzard, at, setting aside the, the story for a moment, was the the framing of this movie. had really interesting framing where everything was just kind of off kilter with it. Like, nothing was quite in frame. Did you hmm. notice that? Like, a lot of, a lot of times the, the people would be kind of just out of frame. Their heads would be yeah. Their heads would be cut off, or just just really interesting framing choices in this movie. I liked it. I liked that quite a bit. Uh, Story wise, I thought it was (laughs) pretty funny. How I just I love how it just keeps escalating for this guy, and he's such a dick. And everything he's such a giant, and everything just keeps getting worse and worse for him. But it's self-imposed, like he's doing it to himself. He sure is. He is not the smartest person. Yeah. He's barely he's barely even close to intelligent. Well, the the whole scam that he did with the checks, which was it was terrible. So he, he works he works as a temp. <laughs> he works as a temp at a bank and his boss gives him these checks that need to be mailed out, but they were all returned to sender. So his job is to try to track down the people that these checks belong to so that they can get him and he decides to sign the checks over to himself and cash them and he actually thinks that this is going to work he sure does <laughs> and the best part is is that he just tells them straight out at the bank you know yeah i just i signed them over to myself yeah you can't you can't do that <laughs> <laughs> you can't do that well, i don't i'm wondering why in the world he thought that it could be done i i don't know yeah, his. Yeah, I mean, he's a small-time scam guy, and some of these scams work, and they seem kind of thought out, and then other ones are just downright terrible. Well, most of them are pretty stupid, like the Hot Pocket one. <laughs> I don't even know what he... He's just getting coupons, yeah, he's just, I he's, guess? I guess he was just calling, and I don't know. I thought that the the one that he did to get the food, where he pulled the, the burger or whatever out of the trash can... And said it didn't taste right. I thought that was pretty smart. That way he didn't have to eat garbage. Yeah. <laughs> Anything that keeps you from eating garbage yeah. is is good. It's good. It's a good plan. I I just liked the whole Freddy Krueger <clears throat> glove creation thing. How he was just working on this project throughout pretty much the whole movie. And it seemed very important. It was very well. important. It was very important. And I really liked his his coworker, who had Derek. 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 Derek's the one that brings pretty much all the comedy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Especially his party his, zone. The party zone. Yeah. Just incessantly talking about the party zone, and I actually did kind of get I kind of got jazzed up a little bit because I was like, man, I really hope they show this party. Oh, zone and they show at it at some point in time, <laughs> and they show it, and man, was it underwhelming? <laughs> and you knew it was. You knew it was going. Of to course. Be. You could just tell, but at the same time, in the back of my head, I was like, you know, they they don't have some redeeming quality to it, I'm sure, but it doesn't. It doesn't. None whatsoever. It was, it was literally a basement with one of those uh, spinning, 
multicolored lights on. <laughs> that was it. That's it. That is it. But I do love his rules. You got to bring your own controller. Yep. So apparently he just he doesn't even have enough controllers. They play a lot of it's just, yeah. They play a lot of old school video games. Just sad. It's so sad. Yeah, I thought Derek was hilarious. Especially when he gets when he's the first victim of the uh, Freddy Cougar. Oh yeah. Power glove. <laughs> it's just him freaking out. It's gonna start bleeding. <laughs> oh my goodness. I one of my favorite scenes was the uh, was the. Um, treadmill scene just everything that happened with the treadmill uh, how they they started the scene with both of them trying to run on the treadmill <laughs> and he's like your wiener's in my butt your wiener's in my butt <laughs> oh my god and then the bugles eating eating the, that. i love it and i love the way that it's set up at first because i didn't you didn't know what was going on i had no idea what the hell's yeah. going on i'm like what all of a sudden, we're in like experimental imagery territory. Like, what the hell is going on? And then finally, it sort of pulls out a little bit, and you see <laughs> yeah. what's going on in some side-scrolling yeah. bugle munching action. Yeah, and I love how eventually he just, <laughs> he just dumps. <laughs> it's too much. It's too much. But I love the fact that Derek doesn't quit. He doesn't quit. He just keeps going for it. He's, he complains, but he just keeps he keeps going at it. And every time that he drops one, he gets so upset. <laughs> Oh, I... and he's so bummed out that Marty wasn't counting at the end of yeah. it. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure it broke the record. He had to break. The I'm record. sure he did. He killed it. Killed it eating those bugles. I'm sure he did. Uh, there's a lot of ridiculousness going on. For me, it's kind of. I thought it died down a little bit when once he Marty goes to Detroit. Once he leaves Derek's house, I think yeah. It kind of just kind of started to crawl for me. A little bit. I I didn't have too much of a problem with it, but I felt like it did kind of die down a bit after he leaves Derek's. It starts to get more serious too. Like the the things, his behavior becomes more erratic, and it gets a little bit darker. A little, yeah, yeah. He definitely becomes more erratic. The paranoia starts to kick in. Yeah, majorly kick in. And he just starts to make a series of terrible, terrible decisions. Yep. Yep. Terrible. Uh, well, no, I was gonna say something, but it was spoilery. Oh. Spoilerish. Spoilerish territory. Well, I'll just say it. At, at one point, he oh. at one point he thinks that everything is fine, and he's he's like, "All right, I'm off the hook," and he like starts to run home. But how can he think that he's off the hook for that? No. Yeah. There's just there's That's no I mean. way. He's not. He's Marty Jackatansky. <laughs> Is not the smartest guy. No. He, yeah, once he gets that phone call and he thinks that he is home free, everything is great, everything's gonna work out, not realizing that all that stuff, like they, she flat out told you, like to your face, like how they can check it and do everything to find out what's going on. You think that just because that person's no longer there, that they're not going to do that yeah, anymore? Exactly. <laughs> Why would you think that, Marty? But he he seems a bit uh, mentally unstable. Yeah. yeah. So, but which I kind of like the the way that that was handled. It's just the little bits of you learn a little bit about him through those phone calls with his mother, mm-hmm. which were the best parts for me. Just his lies. The fact and my favorite line is still is that he's like I have ten friends. <laughs> the fact that he chooses the number ten 
<laughs> he doesn't go crazy with it. Like, he has ridiculous amounts of friends. He just settles on 10. I wonder if he just thought that, that was more believable as a lie. Uh, Maybe. I don't know. Jakutansky, <laughs> is that uh, is that Polish? No, it's White Russian. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know why, but that's funny, too. The fact that it keeps popping up, too. I just, I thought pretty much everything Derek said was funny. Where everything the, Derek like says when they're is when they're especially when he's playing the yeah video when they're game arguing like, check this, when they're arguing check about the video game you've never even seen level ten <laughs> uh, just the that one scene where he's like check this left up up boom extra life <laughs> uh. <laughs> just the fact that he thought that that was so badass yeah. Oh, Derek fucking party zone and he just he looks like such a stereotypical co-worker to me too how he has the oversized dress shirt oh and it's tucked, so goddamn wrinkly. tucked in and tucked into the, bra- sure the, the braided belt oh. <laughs> <laughs> and it's uh, oversized orange dress shirt tucked into the braided belt he's bald but he has a sweet goatee <laughs> Oh God! And those are like so, those are like khaki cargo pants, and he wears to work. I know he's he's wearing cargo pants with a dress shirt. <laughs> Tucked oh, in. <laughs> oh my God! Oh, and he's got the party zone, of course, too. Oh, he and he brings in his subwoofers from home, party in his. Oh yeah, in his cubicle. Like, Listen to some world music, yeah. man. He's like, check this out. Oh, Derek. And he has he has a music guy. He's a mixtape guy mm-hmm. that handles all of his mixed CDs for him. Yep. Who has that? I don't know. Should we get one of those? I think like, should prob- I have a mix CD guy? Probably. Yeah. Handling my mixes for me. Probably. I feel I feel like I'm missing out. I don't have a party soon. I don't have a mix guy. <sighs> yeah. It's a bummer. I th- I, I'm missing out on things. I had a great time with this movie overall. I would. I thoroughly enjoyed it as well. I'm kind of. I did see a lot of people that are like, "Oh my God, it's the perfect anti-capitalism movie." Yeah. And I was just wondering, did you get that no, at all? No, not really. I, I didn't get that. I just got the. It, it felt just like a slacker movie to me, but. A little bit, yeah. He was just a slacker. He was just a lazy slacker. He kind got of. in over his head. Not thinking things through. He puts a lot of. Well, for him, he puts a lot of thought into his scams. Well, plus the, I will say that the Freddy Krueger power glove looked awesome. It did look fantastic. That, like, that thing, that thing looked pretty badass. And then he upgraded it. Yeah. Which was important, because that came in handy. Yes. Get it? Puns. H- handy. I, I do get it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I would say absolutely check this out. Uh, I'm going to give this a 7 out of 10. 7 out of 10. I think I'm going to go 7 out of 10, too. I thought uh, another thing that I forgot to mention is Joshua, what is it, Burge? Mm-hmm. Joshua Berg. Yeah. Man, he was fantastic. He was great. Yeah. Fantastic performance. I was kind of surprised. I don't think I was going to like this one as much as I did. I wasn't sure because I saw the trailer way back and I was interested. I, I wanted to see it for a while, but I just, yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't sure until the the poster, the new poster came out, 
with the power glove and then i was sold and then i knew absolutely nothing the only thing i knew was power glove and then there's i was uh near near my apartment there's a a building that has a giant buzzard uh poster basically painted on the side of a building Uh yeah and it's it's cool it's not like uh i don't know how to describe it it's it's not like the posters that are out now it's like a completely different one but it looks awesome Hmm. it's also involving the freddy krueger hand but it's like black and white it's really cool looking um there you have it buzzard that is in limited release and vod right now uh i can't remember who put that out i think did oscilloscope put that out i think so i think it is yeah Yeah. i was taken back by that ending too yeah it kind of it kind of came out of nowhere i like the ending i enjoyed that as well well done yes well done yes well done buzzard playing now i feel like we didn't really get into that one a lot but really there's it is it's kind of a there's not a lot it's one it's one of those for me that's extremely interesting to see what people think of this one yeah especially when it comes to marty the character marty and i the you know people saying that he's relatable and i'm like oh jesus i hope not (laughs) that scares the shit out of me yeah, I, I would not say that he's relatable. <laughs> I hope not. If he is, that's that's a bummer. I think maybe he's relatable in the same way that he gets annoyed with things like mundane office shit. You know, like yeah. like he just... But I don't know if that's necessarily him or just the filmmaker showing us how ridiculous that stuff is. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. Either way, I I highly recommend checking out Buzzard. Uh, let's talk about Faults. Now, this is one that I saw almost exactly a year ago. Oh boy. At uh, last year's South by Southwest. This is written and directed by Riley Stearns. Uh, I have a synopsis here. Claire is under the grip of a mysterious new cult called Faults. Desperate to be reunited with their daughter, Claire's parents recruit one of the world's foremost experts on mind control, Ansel Roth. This stars Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Lance Reddick, Leland Orser. Uh, Now, I have a review up for this on the site, so we'll start with you, Kevin. What did you think of Faults? Um, I enjoyed it. Throw that out there right off the bat. Enjoyed it. Uh, It was a lot funnier than I was expecting it to be. And I was expecting it to be more of like a mind fuck, but it wasn't. But that's on me. That was just an expectation I had. <laughs> False expectation. I know. That's what I mean. That's, that's my fault. And it's uh, surprisingly simple. It's very simple. But but done very well, I thought. And the, the performances, Leland or- Orser is fantastic. Yeah, I, I hope that he gets... All the accolades that he deserves for this movie, because uh, he deserves it. As far as I know, this is the first movie where he's has a leading role, and he just kills it. And he he's, he's he's that perfect mix of like just completely at the end of his rope, completely frustrated desperation. I mean, he does it perfectly. Yeah, he just looks like such a sad sack. <laughs> I love how <laughs> I just there's so many things about this movie that I that I find so funny. I love the the tone of this movie, the look, how everything is so bland and colorless. 
Oh my god, it's so depressing. It's like the most beige movie you can find. And I love how he steals everything. He steals the fucking steel wool from underneath the hotel bathroom <laughs> he sink. He tries to. Yeah. <laughs> You're on fire. He, he, st- he steals the fucking handcart. Yeah, yeah. What the hell does he need a handcart for? Yeah. He steals the batteries out of the remote. And all the I towels. Think one of the best bits of just character development, to just to give you an idea of where this guy is right now in his life, he eats ketchup. Oh, that's it. He frantically eats Fra- ketchup. Frantically, and that's the opening scene of the film, too. Before getting forcibly removed from a shitty restaurant. So that right there, boom. <laughs> like, you don't need anything else to explain where this guy is in his life. Uh, He's shoveling ketchup yeah. into his mouth with a fork. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. I love how he spreads it. He, he puts it on the plate first and then starts eating it with a fork. <laughs> he still has just like a shred of dignity because he didn't eat it straight out of the bottle. Right. He at least put it on a and plate used, and, and used yeah. the <laughs> utensil. Yeah. So there's a sliver there. But you know that that sliver is about to go away forever. I think it's interesting that we know that this guy is hitting rock bottom. We know something happened to cause this. But they don't just outright tell you. They give you little hints about what happened in his past. Yes, which again, was I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Because they never really fully divulged what no, you, his you, past is all about. Yeah, you know something happened, but... They don't fully get into it because they they do let you know that he was married at one time, too. And this event that occurs in his past causes a divorce and basically ruins him. I'm not going to say what it is, but... I know. This is a really difficult movie to talk about without getting into it. Yeah, pretty much the... Because the entire storyline of it is like the twist. Right. It's like the thing that you can't you can't talk about exactly it. i think that the most you could you could say is what's in the synopsis where he leland orser plays this this guy that specializes in cults and deprogramming people and he gets hired uh, by this couple to deprogram their daughter played by mary elizabeth winstead and um obviously as you might expect things don't go his way yeah, they don't really go as planned. He owes he owes some people money too. He he owes Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite money. The the, uh. the comedic aspects of Faults and Buzzard both it, it, they had a similar style to me where there was the, it was just that super dry, just kind of almost absurd comedy. It, both of them felt. Very reminiscent pe- of Napoleon Dynamite to me. Just, just people being pathetic. Yeah. Just being, just being sad and pathetic. Pretty much. Mining it for comedy gold. Pretty much. But Leland Orser sells the shit out uh, of everything. I loved everything. Everything at the, in the in the beginning where he's at the hotel doing his thing because it just felt it just felt so real to me <laughs> like. This is this is what it is. We don't even know. I don't think we even know where this hotel is, but it just feels like a generic hotel. It just looks like any generic ass hotel. Oh yeah. Oh it sure does. Just the the sadness that's inherent. Yeah. 
the loneliness involved. Oh boy. And I oh, and boy. I do love the scene when he gets punched in the face. Oh, you're a fan of the getting punched in the yes, face? Yes, I am. <laughs> uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Again, really difficult to talk about without really getting into anything. I mean, the only really thing you can get into is the performances are really good. Leland Orser is fantastic. Mary Elizabeth Weinstead, once again, really good. She doesn't get as much to do as Leland Orser, but she handles it quite well. Yeah, she, yeah. I think. And my favorite part of this is, I don't know if this happened for you, but I didn't. I had no idea how long this movie was going into it. So once something happens, I thought, oh, here we go. This is, now the movie's getting started. We're getting into it now. And then it was over. Yeah. Which <laughs> I was like, God damn it. I wanted more. I do want to. I thought we were like finally just getting started. I thought we that was all the build up. Yeah. And we're getting into it now. I do want to know what happens next though. Because the way that they end it, it does leave you wanting to know. What, what, oh my goodness, what, yes. where, where does it go from here? Like what's. Exactly. Because it, it, I liked, I liked the twist a whole lot in this movie and it's it sucks too because I, I almost feel like we need to like go into a little spoiler talk because there's a lot of stuff that that you can discuss with this movie but it's all it's all spoiler related we can do we can do the old we can do the old uh spoiler throw that throw yeah it let's the end let's there. do a quick spoiler at the end so uh was there anything other non-spoiler related that you wanted to to go over with faults uh performance wise visuals what'd you think of the visuals visuals are pretty good i thought they they worked for what what you're going for here to just make it as drab Mm -hmm. and depressing as possible just kind of puts you in leland orser's headspace ansel roth yeah just the loneliness and the sadness i loved the scene (laughs) where they they get the hotels and they give him just one queen size bed and they give the husband and wife two double beds <laughs> and he just he keeps trying to switch with them and they're like no we're fine we're fine in this room it's just not working you can't get anything to go right for him no no he can't but you do it's it's interesting though because at the beginning you do get this idea that okay this guy's done this before and he does seem like he knows what he's doing and yeah, but you also know at the be- that it didn't work out too well the first yeah, time yeah, around. Yeah, right. <laughs> so it's like he knows what he's doing, but it, at the same time, it didn't work. So I did like uh, I did like John Grease's character of Terry. I thought Terry was funny. Yeah, then that just added a whole nother level of sadness because he keeps Ansel keeps talking about his manager, and then you finally see what his manager is <laughs> and where he works, and you're just like, oh. <laughs> God, Ansel. Oh, no. Oh, boy. Oh, God. You just got to start over, bud. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. <laughs> you got to move just, and just start cleaning. Yeah, it's not working out for you. No. All right. Well, let's go ahead and give this a uh, rating before we hop into, Spoil hop into some spoilers. Uh, I gave this, in my original review, a 7.5 out of 10. I'm going to stick with that. Uh, 7.5 it's I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a seven. I'm going double seven. Double sevens okay. today. Okay. Tan, tandem sevens. Tandem sevens. Today. All right. 
Yeah, I, I don't have a lot of uh, negative things to say about this movie. Um, maybe a couple th- nitpicks when we get into spoilers, but... I think the only thing which I'll discuss here and in spoilers is I thought it tipped its hand a little too early. Yeah, yeah. And then once and that I- happened, it's just kind of the the mystery kind of wore off. Right, yep, yep. And we'll get into that in spoilers, so... All right, uh, just tune in to the end of the show, and uh, we'll talk about some false spoilers. Let's talk about someone we've been watching. I think we're going to start with you you this week, Kevin. Oh, yeah. Let's jump straight into it. 1935, Top Hat. Oh, boy. Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers. Now, it's no secret. I do not enjoy musicals. Not a fan of them. I don't understand them. I still cannot wrap my head around what's happening on the screen. When people just start singing for no reason, <clears throat> it's just like real life, dude. So, it's just like real life. It's it, I, and honestly, to me, it's the most absurd thing that could ever happen in a movie. Like anything that happens in like the Oregonian or anything like that, I can I can stay on board with that. But people singing out of nowhere for no reason, I just can't wrap my head around it. It's it's too bizarre for me, honestly. But with this one. And now this is the first Fred Astaire movie I've ever watched. He plays a he plays Jerry Travers. He's a he's a performer. So I thought that this was going to be kind of like Red Shoes, where just the musical numbers and such just come from him performing. Mm-hmm. But no, that's that. It's a combo of that. He, out of nowhere, he just starts tap dancing, which I didn't know it was tap dancing, which is something I don't understand any more than singing for no reason. Because it just sounds like you're slapping your feet against the ground. It doesn't make any sense to me. So this one was tough. This was really difficult to get through. And it has this whole side plot of he's just trying... It's not a side plot, but it's the main crux of the movie. Him trying to get to woo Ginger Rogers. And I didn't want that to happen at all. From the very first time they met each other, I could not stand Fred Astaire. I couldn't stand his character. And I did not want him to get the woman. And I was just essentially rooting against him the entire film. And then it made it much easier when he would just start tap dancing for no reason. Mm. And it's just, but Ginger Rogers was awesome. I loved her character at first, but then of course, you know, slowly over the, the duration of the film, she gets won over and then it goes into this whole um, comedy of airs and mixing up who they think each other are. And it's just get the shit ton of comedy out of that, which for the most part, did work, but it wears out its welcome because that's all the movie is outside of the tap dancing and singing, hmm. the goddamn singing. So I, I don't know. I made it through, so I feel like that's a win. I noticed that you didn't rate this on Letterboxd. I did not rate because I don't, I don't understand it. I don't understand anything about these movies, so I have no idea how to rate this. I don't like tap dancing. I don't like people singing for no reason. Especially just out of nowhere. And as soon as it starts happening, like as soon as, you know, the, like the music kind of comes in a little bit and you can tell that his voice is starting to change, like he's getting ready to sing. I honestly, I just sit there going, wait a second. Mm. Wait, hold up. Hold up. What are you doing? What are you doing? And as soon as he starts singing, I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. And I just put my head in my hands. I think one of the. And I'm like, now I got to sit here for three minutes while this guy sings. I think one of the issues I have with that is that there's no rules to musicals you know like sometimes in musicals when a musical number breaks out it's kind of separate from reality and then sometimes Mm -hmm. it's completely in reality 
And you're just like, why are they all doing this? What is going on here? But then sometimes it seems like it happens, and then after the musical number, everybody acts like they weren't just singing and dancing. So it seems like it didn't happen in reality. So I think that's one of the issues I have, is that I never know if what's happening in the movie is what's happening in their world. Yeah, I always always have difficulty with that as well. I just, I can't. I'm trying so hard. You have to know. I'm trying so hard to figure this musical stuff out and just try and wrap my head around it. But, man, it's difficult. Well, I saw one that was difficult for me this week uh, called Howha. Yeah. Howha. That one's all, that's all you. Yeah, directed by Alessandro Alonso. This stars Viggo Mortensen. And it's uh, it's basically about a <laughs> uh, oh, I, a guy. I wish I wish I was there. Uh, it was a toughie, let me tell you. So this this comes out I think in two weeks or something, and I I went to a screening of this, and it's I struggled to stay awake during this. I think I I think I might have fallen asleep once or twice, at least twice. Uh, so <laughs> once or twice, at least twice. Yeah, I'm I'm being true to my quick. <laughs> I'm, quick I'm just I'm just gonna be honest here. Uh, very very slow. I mean, slow as in this movie does not move at all. It is, and, and I'm sorry. Like I, I saw the ratings on Letterboxd. Everybody's just ranting and raving about this movie. Fours, fives, four and a halfs, all across the board. But it's boring. I'm. It is a boring, boring movie. It is so slow and fucking boring. And I feel like this is one of these movies where people, after they come out of it, which I actually witnessed firsthand at this screening. They're like, oh, what'd you think? And then they're like, well, I'm still kind of processing it. This is one, uh, uh, it's going to take me a little while to process it. You know what that means? It means that I actually hated it, but I want to find out what everybody else thought and then say that I liked it because I didn't actually get what (laughs) happened. That's what this movie is. (laughs) I really wish I watched this one. Now... This would have been a fun discussion. Now, I'm not going to say that this movie's terrible or anything like that. I it, it looks quite good. It it visually looks good. There's a lot of really awesome cinematography. A lot of this takes place in the desert, and uh, the where this takes place is just breathtakingly beautiful. Uh, but that's not enough. That's not enough to go off of. And so basically, the the movie follows. Vigo Mortensen as he travels through the desert looking for his missing daughter who runs away with this guy and the guy gets killed and so he's kind of just out in the desert searching for his daughter and a lot of kind of weird uh, supernatural very surreal things start to happen to him like he finds this old woman in a cave and then the old woman disappears and uh I I kind of want to say what happens at the very end of the movie, but I don't really. Don't say I'm going to watch. Yeah, this I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I'll I'll save that. Um, but I didn't know there was surrealism in this. Oh thing. yeah, oh yeah, very. Oh, I just got so more, so much more excited. Yeah, it's it's kind of a trippy movie. Uh, 
soup every single shot is at least 30 seconds longer than it should be so for instance for instance there's a scene where it shows vigo laying down and going to sleep trying to sleep and it just we just watch him sleep for like three minutes straight or uh, there's a scene where he's looking at him his his own reflection in a in a pool of water and we're just looking at him look at himself in a pool of water and that's oh, that's how man. it goes. Every there's most of the scenes are just kind of static shots yeah. and they just linger and linger forever. There's a scene where there's a dude uh masturbating in like a it's not a hot springs but it's like kind of a pool uh just just pool of water it. just just jerking it <laughs> just jerking it for like I mean, we see we see it from pretty much the beginning all the way up into the climax. So it's like it's like a good two minute, two minute masturbatory session that we get to w- witness here. Oh my! Goodness. And that's just what this this movie is. I mean, it's so s- <clears throat> plodding and brutally slow. It's all uh, if you see it in the theater, it's kind of this uh, the way that they framed it. It sort of looks like. Uh, uh, I don't know how to describe it. Like it, it's like an old timey camera where the uh, corners of the it's rounded. It has rounded corners, okay. and it's kind uh-huh. of a square shape. Gotcha. Again, I will say the movie looks gorgeous. Uh, plot wise, it's just it's just non existent. So so difficult. Is it, so it's one of those no burns. It is a no burn. It is absolutely straight up no a burn. No burn. I'm I'm very curious to see. What I think of this one because I had a difficult time getting through his other movie, um, Liverpool, which people were really high on, but that one was difficult. And it's not as much of a, a no burn as the turn horse. More happens than in that movie, but this is still. Uh, <laughs> it's just, oh my god! It, it, it's one of these movies where I just wanted to yell at the screen, just get on with it. Let's move move a little bit it's when i see movies like this sometimes i get frustrated by them and i i typically like slower paced movies i like i like the slow burn but when there's nothing going on where it's just a dude staring at himself and (laughs) just and that just staring at his reflection yeah i'll i'll be curious to see what you think too because um I think there's a strong possibility that you're going to love this movie. I'm just, no matter what, I'm just going to fake it. Even if I don't. Well, that's the thing. Fake it that's the thing. Just rub it in your face. Just be like, this is so fucking great. You just don't get it. I think, I, I think that's what it. a lot of people, a lot of people are like, no, oh, this movie is just so amazing. But they're, they're secretly, secretly they're like, that movie was boring. <laughs> I don't see why a movie can't, can't have something to say while also being not boring true true and i guess maybe for some people it wasn't that boring but i have a hard time believing it especially maybe it's because i saw it in a theater and i couldn't escape it i i couldn't you know pull, that, that could play i role. couldn't pull myself away from it and i was already kind of tired going into it so you just you weren't even you weren't even in the mood for this yeah shit. maybe that was it i don't know but Either way, this movie comes out, I think, March 20th. 
So not not this week, but next week. Okay, well, it's kind of much like the one you just discussed. It takes place in the desert. It's boring. Well, I mean, a good portion of it is boring. And that's the Jodorowsky classic El Topo. Oh, okay. Finally got around to seeing this one. And much like all other Jodorowsky movies, it outlasts its welcome. This is 125 minutes of just Jodorowsky playing various different versions of God and just him displaying his massive ego. And, you know, just takes a long, long time to tell, to get its point across, which is essentially told right off the bat. Right off the bat, there's this discussion, you know, this voiceover about moles and how they dig in the dirt forever in the darkness looking for light. And then when they finally find it, they're blinded. Okay, so that gives you an idea what this movie's all about. So then you get 125 minutes of him walking around and just him throwing in as much bizarreness as possible just to make that point again. Lots of naked, naked children. There's the naked children throughout, well, just one naked yeah, child one throughout naked the beginning, child. which is his son, a, Brontos. Yeah, I was going to say it's his son. It's his son. Uh, he ends up going on some sort of enlightenment quest through the desert where he starts on the outside of the desert, spirals in. He has to fight four gunmasters, and he ends up defeating all four using trickery and luck because he's a piece of shit. And it just... It drags. It just drags. Because like I said, it's essentially him making that point twice. So like the first half of the movie is that he's a gunfighter. He fights the masters and then decides that he doesn't want to be a fighter anymore. And he gets gunfire stigmata because he's Jesus. And then the second portion of the story, again, starts out with him being a deity in the cave. So and then he turns to a life of altruism and tries to help out the people stuck in the cave, which are all you know, sort of uh, physically deformed people. And he finally helps them, and once again, terrible results. So he finds enlightenment like a mole and is blinded by it. There you go. All he had to do is watch the first three minutes. Bam, you're done. You get the gist of it. But no, it's Joe Dawarski, so we draw it out for 125 minutes just to add in some weird stuff and plenty of opportunities for Joe Dawarski to declare himself God. Yeah. So there you go. I mean, it's pretty good considering, you know, the creativity is there. It's not as creative, I didn't think, as the Holy Mountain. I was much more impressed with the Holy Mountain. But uh, it has some good stuff in there. It's just entirely too long. I believe this is, if, if you're in New York, I believe that this is actually playing or it was playing at i, th- I want to say the ifc center one one of the theaters in manhattan it was actually playing there for a few weeks hmm that would be interesting yeah it was like a midnight show it's been playing for a couple weeks. i don't know if it's still still playing or not but it was playing for quite a while yeah this is the apparently one of the the movie that started the midnight movie was yeah Elko. yeah there's actually a, a documentary about midnight movies and they they get into El Topo and how that was one of the movies that kicked things off, along with like Pink Flamingos and some others. Yeah, it's got some good stuff in there, but well, it's, I, it's, did, I didn't think of it as I didn't think it was just like an absolute masterpiece. The thing about El Topo is that it it was a midnight movie, but it, it helped create the midnight movie. But it also the midnight movie basically helped give that movie it, its 
cult status because people started going to see it because when it played uh, in its regular release, nobody saw it and everybody hated it. And then they started playing it at midnight screenings and people started, you know, people started walking out. And, yeah. Started walking out of the theater going, I, I'm going to have to process. I'm yeah, they, they started going, what you, would you think of it? Uh, I don't know. What'd you think of it? Uh, I, I liked it. So did I. So did I. <laughs> That's what it is. Either that or, well, I think I'm going to, I think I'm really just trying to process it. I liked it, but I'm really just kind of processing it still. I'm, I'm, I don't know I'm not what, sure I don't, what to think. I'm not sure what to think of it at this point. And then they go home and furiously look at every review they can and formulate their opinion. Get that, get that mean. That's what it is. Get that mean score. Oh, everybody's giving it a four and a half out of five on Letterbox. Okay, well, I guess I liked it a lot. <laughs> uh, All I right, hope people, don't do that. Don't do that, people. No, do just go don't see How Ha and call it out for being the boring, boring, uh, meandering snooze fest that it is. I feel like you were holding back a little bit there. I feel like you re- you really wanted to give it to it. I gave it a two and a half out of five on Letterboxd. I didn't hate the movie. Don't get me wrong. We'll we'll get into it more no, after like after you see it. We'll we might even do like a full review of it. Dude, we're gonna fucking fight like crazy about it. Eh, I don't know about that, but no, we're we're going to. I'm just giving you a heads up. I don't think so. Uh, I so I had kind of a chain reaction of movies this week. I didn't see a whole lot. I have family in town, but. I saw Buzzard, and it kind of got me in a... It's it's a very metal movie. There's a lot of metal going on in this movie. And I'm not a big fan of, of heavy metal music, but uh, I can appreciate it. So I decided to... From Buzzard, I got, got it in my head that I wanted to watch a, a rock doc. And I chose oh, heavy metal. Rock doc. So I, I saw this movie called Until the Light Takes Us, which is about it's about black metal specifically norwegian black metal which uh i didn't know too much about so you're getting specific with your metal yeah (laughs) yeah specific you're like you're like i don't want just any metal i want a very specific norwegian black metal yes that's what i was that's what i was looking for i like to do that i like to get i go in you'd like to start small and then build up yep so this this documentary came out in 2008. It is available on YouTube, so you can watch it on YouTube for free. Uh, it just goes over the history of black metal in Norway and kind of the explosion of this this very specific subgenre of heavy metal that that occurred there and just how extreme this type of metal was. Uh, it it talks about several of the the big bands that came out of there um and just the craziness around these these people and these bands um like the the one the one band that they talk about is called mayhem which led me to my next movie called um uh what was the name of it sorry i lost the page the the movie is called pure fucking mayhem Whoa. And that's a documentary about the band Mayhem, which is another Norwegian metal band. And it's kind of crazy. There's There was uh, a rash of church burnings that took place during this time. And 
as it turned out, it was some some of the members of these black metal bands were burning down churches. I think there was something like twenty or thirty churches burned during this time. It was it was crazy. And then uh, one of the band members in Mayhem committed suicide, and another one of the band members took pictures of him. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. He also claimed that he ate part of his brain because the guy. Sure. What the guy did was he slit his wrists and his throat, walked around the house for a while, and then he wasn't dying, so he then finished himself off with a shotgun. Uh, And then his roommate, who was also his bandmate, came home, took pictures of his uh, dead body, apparently ate part of his brain, and then they used that picture of his dead body that he took as their next album cover, which is horrible. Okay. Uh, Cause the documentary shows the album cover, of course, and it was disgusting and terrible. Awesome. And uh, apparently another, the drummer of the band mayhem took pieces of skull fragment of the guy and turned it into a necklace. Okay. So, you know, good, wholesome, wholesome rock music. <laughs> Then, then the the band member that took the pictures of the guy, uh, he was then murdered by the singer of another band. He was stabbed this to death. Out of, out of hand. Yeah, and that guy ended up going to prison for twenty one years because he got charged with murder and some of the church burnings, not all of them. So they were burning the churches. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he gets out of churches for it. Well, because they're juvenile. Yeah, so fucking juvenile. Yeah, I think sounds so. They just sound like silly people. Yeah, I mean they they were they were the ones that started the whole uh, face paint thing where you, you you put the black around your eyes and then paint your face white to make yourself look like a corpse. They uh, what is the point of that then? Like why? I don't know. I don't get it. Do you just like, oh, corpses are so much cooler? Yeah, I, I just, I don't get it. I, I want to look like a corpse. I have watched these documentaries to try to get some insight into the allure of this music. And metal music is one thing. Like, I actually like some heavy metal. I, I don't hate it all. But with with black metal and death metal, I don't get it because it's not enjoyable to listen to. I don't know why anyone would be like, yeah, I can groove to this because it sounds horrible. And it's like a lot, a lot of these bands like, uh, cannibal corpse, (laughs) cannibal corpse is one of them. And I'm just imagining someone like dad dancing to some black metal. It's just saying like, man, I can really groove to this with their sketchers on and shit. Yeah. The sweater, their new balances. With uh, sweater vest on. I don't know. I mean, you're you're a music aficionado. Do you know anything about extreme metal? Are you are you I, familiar I in, with? I can't get into it. The only metal I like is doom metal, like that slow doom style, that really heavy. I want it to be heavy. Well, black metal is is very heavy, but it's, I don't like that fast stuff. No, I can't get into the fast stuff. Black metal is not fast. It's not like the speed metal or whatever you want to call it uh black metal is very it kind of goes back to the roots <laughs> of metal the, and it's the very other thing that kinda... it's very gothic 
Well, that's the other thing that kind of just throws me off with metal because there's so many different kinds. Oh yeah, there's uh, metal. Yeah, there's um, uh, there's so many. There's a uh, series, a TV series that came out called The Evolution of Metal, and they actually go into like all of the specific kinds of metal because there are tons of of subgenres. There's like grindcore and uh, sludge. 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 Uh, was I wanted, yeah, because some of these are actually really funny. Give me, give me a list. Give me a list. Yeah, I'm actually looking it up too. There is, I know that there's like an infographic somewhere that has uh, all of cello, this... cello metal, crust punk, dark metal, death metal, doom metal, extreme metal, folk metal, glam, glam metal. Yeah, glam metal, new metal, grindcore, metalcore. What is metalcore? Like how? I don't understand. That. There, there is an infographic somewhere. I, I can't find it right now. That has. Wait, did I just find it? Yes, I, I did find it. New metal. There's new metal. There's a, there's an infographic you can find online that actually has, um, the, the name of the subgenre, and then it has the actual bands that are that comprise that. So it kind of gives you an idea of what the sound is like. So, what, like, BCO like, black metal. Like, uh, uh, the damn picture's so small, I can't read it. Oh, no. No, it, it's, uh, a lot of different types. I like the body. I like them. They're a metal band that I like. Do you like, do you like ACDC? Were you an ACDC fan? No, I was not an ACDC fan. Not a fan of them. What about, like, uh, see, this is, this infographic I'm looking at is including, like, Minor Threat and Black Flag and some of these punk bands and i don't know if i'd consider that apparently the body is sludge metal sludge metal so apparently i'm a fan of sludge metal and there's progressive metal i can't even handle that I, li- handle. I like uh i like some of the really 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 fast metal like uh what's that god damn it dragon force is that their name <laughs> i think so I, I because it's, to <laughs> it's me a, it, to me it's so ridiculous it's just so ridiculous but at the same time i i like i appreciate their uh skill in their instruments like that dude on guitar holy shit it's incredible hmm. there's actually a couple that i like but i honestly don't remember what their names are you, you like industrial metal right because i do i you, you used to like nine inch nails didn't you Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's still do. That's, still do. That's industrial metal. Oh, okay. And, Apparently, and, I like black metal too because I like Death Heaven. Uh, another big Norwegian black metal band, or I guess I don't know what they would be considered. Yes, they are considered black metal. Is uh, Demu Borgir. What now? Demu Borg Borger. That sounds familiar. Yeah, they. <laughs> Remember we had their one of their albums and we played it a lot. It was like, yeah, it was on. Uh, we first oh, heard them. Yeah. It was like on a CKY video or like a skate video or something. And we yes, heard, I remember that now. They're oh, they're they're a pretty popular Norwegian black metal band. All about that Norwegian black metal. Yeah. At any rate, uh, it sounds like you learned so much. I I did learn a lot about heavy metal, and I. I did uh, 
I do plan on watching more episodes of this Evolution of Metal series because uh, some of it is, it's interesting. It is an interesting evolution to see. I have a feeling where, the next time I see you, you're going to have your face painted all black and white. Wearing, cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. That's, gonna have long I'm going to be in faults and I'm going to be <laughs> in a death metal cult. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be a death metal cult. But truly, I don't understand the allure of especially black metal and, and some of these. I just, uh, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. They're so obsessed with death and decay and rotting corpses. And that's what they sing about. <laughs> they sing about rotting corpses. And, sure. And, and they uh, take dead animal parts on the stage with them and... Uh, no thanks. They self mutilate on stage. That's that's no, a big of thing. They do. That's a big thing. Sure. So sounds like good times. If you want to learn a little bit more about Norwegian black metal, I would suggest checking out until the light until the light takes us is kind of just a general look at the phenomenon as a whole, and then pure fucking mayhem focuses just on the band mayhem which was one of the most one of the more crazy influential bands of that movement so uh both like i said both documentaries are available on youtube so i I would recommend checking out until the light takes us first uh as far as quality wise both uh documentaries are pretty they're not great Mm. Mm. until the light takes us looks better and is put together more nicely but it still has some really awkward uh edit. it's it the way that it's put together is kind of awkward so yeah I, that's uh so that's step 2 of my metal exploration what what do you have anything else uh no i do not okay well then i'll just finish it off with step 3 of my metal exploration oh the, my god and that's a movie called metalhead which is uh, directed by Ragnar Bregesen. This is an Icelandic film, and it is currently playing in very limited release. It I didn't even realize this, but it actually started hitting theaters around the country last weekend, and it's doing a very small rollout throughout. I think it started in Seattle. It's playing in New York now. So it's doing a small rollout this month. So check your listings for this. Uh, Basically, it's a coming-of-age story about a girl who, when she's very young, she witnesses her brother being killed in in an accident. They live on a farm. He basically runs himself over with a tractor. Ooh. Very crazy scene. Happens near the beginning of the movie. He was kind of into metal, and she is trying to cope with his death and she ends up getting into metal herself uh gets she gets real into metal and she starts she learns how to play the guitar she starts making songs she starts acting out and rebelling against her community and her family and she starts getting into trouble uh and it it's really weird that this when this movie i i didn't know anything about this movie and uh one of the big plot points that happens in this is she's watching the news when all of these churches are are being burned down in norway and oh my goodness and that 
proves to be a very big plot point in this movie. So crazy connections that I didn't even know about. A lot of the bands that they talked about in that documentary were uh, covered in this movie, although this takes place uh, still, well, the beginning of this movie takes place during kind of like the Black Sabbath day, the early, early days of metal. Mm-hmm. But it does get into the more kind of hardcore, extreme metal stuff out of Norway. Uh, very good movie, actually. You don't have to be into metal or anything to to like this movie and to enjoy it. I'm, I'm certainly not into heavy metal music, as I said. But it's still a really high-quality, good coming-of-age story. And you know how I like those coming-of-age stories, Kevin. You are all about, all about coming-of-age you love it. It's very light. Uh, it, it seems like it would be heavy considering the the tragedy that, that occurs in the beginning of the movie and her trying to cope with it. And it's also her parents trying to cope with it, too. Like, her mother is clearly, uh, is clearly just broken down by this event, even though it, it most of the movie takes place years after it happens. Uh, but... If it is playing in your area, I would recommend checking it out. Again, it's called Metalhead. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's it's good. Well, Very well shot. Looks great. Good music in it. Check it out. It's called Metalhead. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to some predictions. Last week, we said Chappie, which you'll notice I didn't mention. I didn't. I did not see Chappie this week. I was going to. Were you, but... plan- you were? You were playing on it? Just didn't work out? You got sidetracked with your metal? I was interested in Chappie. I thought that it looked, I thought it looked good, but apparently not. Uh, you said thirty-two. I said sixty-five. Actual thirty. Yes. Ah, <laughs> uh, Neil Blomkamp. What is going on? Yes. Yeah. Apparently, it's not too good. We gave it a three out of ten on the site, so you can go to uh, filmpulse.net and read our review. The second best exotic Marigold Hotel. You said 54. I said 62. Actual 64 on that. I figured mm. I figured people would like that. And finally, we have Unfinished Business. You said 4. I said 15. Actual 13. Damn it. Damn it. Yep. I really thought I would win that one. No. Next week, we have Cinderella. What are you thinking on this? On this bad boy, the Disney live-action version of Cinderella. Oh, boy. Uh, 40. I will say 42 on that one. We also have Run All Night, which is uh, the next Liam Neeson action movie. Oh, my God. We're not done with this? Apparently not. When are we going to be done with this? I'll say 30. Jeez. I'm going to say 38. And I believe that's actually it as far as wide release. In limited release, we oh. have The Cobbler, which is currently sitting at a 0%. 0% right now. Um, not really surprised by that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Champs. I'm not sure what that is. Uh, Muck, which is a horror film. Uh, we should be having a review for that one up. Cymbeline, which is that Shakespeare... I believe it's Shakespeare, right? Oh, I have no idea. It's with Ethan Hawke. I'm pretty sure it's a uh, a Shakespeare adaptation. That's with Ethan Hawke? Oh, boy. Yes. I think there's more. I, I can't remember who else is in that. Ed Harris. Ed Harris is also Ed. in Run All Night. So. Oh, my God. That's crazy. 
It Follows, which I'm sure we'll be reviewing next week because I'm really excited to see that. You're excited for that one, right? I'm kind of, I don't know. I wouldn't say excited. Well, you better, you should be excited. God damn it. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Anarchy and the Wrecking Crew. Next week on VOD. Let me pull up my old VOD list here. Get that. Get that. Get that. We have... Oh, what is next week? We have Anarchy, It Follows, The Wrecking Crew, and Champs. So a lot of the stuff that's hitting limited release next week is going to be on VOD. DVD and Blu-ray next week. We have Late Phases, Night of the Lone Wolf. Well, I don't know when they changed the title of that, when they added the subtitle on there. Wait, well, the, that was the subtitle to it? Well, not when we not when we saw it, but now apparently. I thought, I thought you were saying two movies. No. So that's the it's, whole name. It, now. Yeah, it's Late Phases, mm-hmm. colon, Night of the Lone Wolf. That is terrible. Unnecessary. Why is that why is that necessary? A lot of it's people not. like that movie, by the way. Really? Yeah. Okay. I don't I don't I'm not really sure why, but Good for them. Listen up, Philip. Yeah. Check that one out. Night yeah. of Night at the Museum, Secret of the Tomb. No, thank you. Nah. Pioneer. Uh very light. Eh. Recommend. Eh. It was it was okay. Cool. If you want to get your dive kick, <laughs> get that dive kick. There's, a, There's not many movies out there that lets you itch that itch that dive itch. Yeah, it's true. Uh, R100, or just wait till Black Sea comes out and see that instead. R100, uh, if you want to see some crazy, crazy Japanese insanity, check out R100. Really digging the cover for R100. I, I didn't see it. I didn't it's see just, this cover. It's just red and white. It's very simple. And I'm but telling I, you right now, I like it, it. it better be good. Well, it's not amazing, but I. I well, like now it. The, why are you trying I, to I like it more than anytime I see a Blu-ray cover that's more than just people's heads and something very generic. I, it piques my interest. Nar 100s. I think it's got a okay. good good cover. Okay, I think that'll be. I see what you're saying. And Wolf Cop. Oh, the best kind of cop. Uh, I recommend Wolf Cop. It's it's funny. I want to see Wolf Cop. It's really ridiculous. I don't I don't know if you'll like that one too much, Kevin, because it it feels it treads very close to kind of almost trauma territory. Oh boy! But it's better. Mm. It's better than that, certainly. But it, well, anything's better than a trauma movie. It's not that fucking hard. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> My mom filming Christmas Day <laughs> is more accomplished than half of the fucking shit that comes out of trauma. Uh, correct you are, sir. Now there's it. There's at least one. I think there's a couple criterions. One of them I'm very excited about because I'm a huge fan of it. But go ahead. Well, there's more. I I only saw one. Now I'm kind of scared that I oh, messed may, up. Uh, be, okay, maybe. What is it? It's just the soft skin from Truffaut. Okay, well I saw. I saw, um, isn't Tulane Blacktop coming out? Ooh, getting I'm not a, seeing it. I'm it, not, I don't, I don't know. Isn't that getting a uh, Blu-ray release? Uh, maybe it is. It's just not popping up on here for some reason. Hmm. When I looked at the list, uh, I mean, I know I wouldn't have made that. <laughs> It'd be like a weird thing to just make up in you're my just, head. You're, yeah, you're just trying to make shit up. That's weird. No, why would you do that? When I like, looked, why? When I looked at the list here, I saw... Well, it's not there anymore. I saw it on here. It lies. All of it lies. I'm I'm looking this up because uh, I don't 
Tulane Blacktop. Yeah. On my list here, it says, I don't know, maybe it's getting some kind of weird re-release or something because on on this it has Vampire and Tulane Blacktop listed. Hmm. So maybe. I'm not I'm not sure what that's all about. I can't help you. Maybe it's getting I'm a re-release. Sure. Maybe. Well. The one criterion that I do know is coming out because it's on their website, March 10th, Soft Skin, Truffaut, 1964. There you go. This is when Truffaut started getting into all, all that Hitchcock stuff, drowning himself in some Hitchcock. So, okay. Sign up. Well, see, two, see, see Tulane Blacktop anyway because it's awesome. But it's not coming out. So, like, why are we talking about it? I don't want to perpetuate your lies. No, well, it's on list on Video ETA. It has that listed. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. All right. I think that that will wrap it up for the day. Send us your questions to podcastfilmpulse.net. We'll be sure to answer them on the show. Follow us on Twitter, at FilmPulseNet, and at FilmPulseKevin. And be sure to rate us on iTunes. We appreciate that very much. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you on Thursday for Ryan Watches a Movie. And stay tuned for Spoilers of Faults. Okay. Are you, ready? Are you ready to spoil some Let's faults? Let's spoil some faults. So the big reveal, I, I like where they went with it because going into this movie, obviously, I saw it at a, at a festival. I had no idea anything about this except that it was something involving cults. So at one point, it does become evident that uh, he's not deprogramming her. She's essentially programming him. And... Mm-hmm. Once that becomes evident, uh, I was instantly more intrigued about where this movie was going to go, because that's what I'm. Yeah, that's what I was kind of getting to in the non-spoiler territory. Is because, it, it, like I said, it kind of tips his hand early, and you're like, okay, so now the whole twist reveal thing is over with. So where are we going to go with this? And then boom, roll credits, and you're like, oh, that's it. Yeah, that's all you had for me. Yeah, I I did figure out that Mary Elizabeth Winstead was the leader of this cult pretty early on. I I predicted it pretty early on, and the pieces all fit together very nicely. I didn't know that. I think it's really difficult to predict that that those people weren't her parents. Uh, See, that was the first thing I got right off the bat. Really? It's like, these people are very odd. It's like I don't think I think they're part of this cult. I well, don't they, think they're it, actual it, yeah, it's funny because at the beginning when they first meet with Ansel, <laughs> they do act normal. They act like no- yeah, regular parents, but, it, but as it goes on, they start acting more and more strangely. Exactly the 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 disguise they put up just quickly wears yeah. off. And just like something is off with these people, and you sort of get little hints here and there at the beginning, like where Claire doesn't try to get away doesn't try to do anything mm-hmm. and you can see that she's kind of staging things and you like you know quite into early on you can tell that she's holding all the power especially considering what you just saw of Ansel Roth you know that he's not in any right healthy place yeah. to actually help someone yeah he's completely broken and the only reason that he's doing <laughs> yeah. it is for the money yeah so he's not even he's not even fully invested into this he just needs that money. 
Yeah. Uh, I, I I really liked where they where they went with it and how they kind of flipped the script and i liked the whole idea of the false premise where you know it was they were talking about you know cracks and becoming your true self and all this stuff i i liked that and i wanted to learn more about this cult <laughs> so you're so, actually programmed so you're you're like Sign up. I, i'm i'm ready i'm ready i'm ready, I'm ready to give it. them my entire life savings and all of my possessions and just join right up with the uh mary elizabeth winstead cult what, so essentially, what was her what was the is, name i can't remember ira ira yeah ira. ira which is kind of an odd name to pick for your deity self yeah but whatever yeah you know it's an odd just an odd choice, I thought. This movie, like Buzzard, also takes a very dark turn, especially when he first really starts giving into the programming and has that crazy, uh, almost out of body type experience where it cuts to the 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 father apparently having sex with the Mary Elizabeth Winstead, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, yeah, that was very. Creepy. And the other, and he's watching his old show. Yeah, and Beth Grant is is, is sitting in a chair watching. <laughs> and at that point, you're just like, uh oh, ooh. And then, of course, people start getting murdered, which is the only thing that didn't really work for me completely. Like, I thought everything was handled very well. Everything involving the cult and the deprogramming and the power play shift there and everything. But the whole Lance Reddick, that the whole like subplot almost just it, I don't know, it didn't really work for me. I, I, I get it seemed to like extremely escalate out of nowhere. You mean to the point where it almost felt like they just felt the need to throw in some violence, which just didn't work for me. I think it was. I don't. I don't understand why he really had to do that. Dude. I guess it was just used to. I think. First, first, uh, close off that subplot with him owing the money. That that takes care of that by killing them, and also to show how much control she has over him. Yeah, that's and true. and uh, how you know serious things have gotten. But I think like the, the the whole subplot to begin with, with him owing the money and Lance Reddick coming after him for the money and all of that stuff is. I think that's just used to accentuate the the stress level. I mean, it's a plot device, really. He the only reason that he did this deprogramming thing in the first place is because he owed that money. Yeah. So I I can see it. Uh, mm, I'm just I, I think the, it was just the ending of the that. violent just, the I violent conclusion it, to that. Yeah, just for me, it didn't work. I didn't have a problem with it. I I, I thought that that scene when he killed him with the book was really brutal. It, if, I mean, to get killed, just think, getting killed by a book? Are you kidding me? I think, it, again, it just lends, that scene shows that Leland Orser is a, a fantastic actor. And I, and I saw this with, with my dad, and he was just like, wow, he's really good. I do enjoy some Leland Orser. Yeah. It reminds me, fantastic. It reminds me of the scene in Alien Resurrection when he's having the alien sh- burst from his chest. I don't know that. Yeah. 
I don't know. Check that. out Alien so. Resurrection. He has an alien burst from his chest, but what he does first is he holds a guy's head in front of his chest. So when the alien bursts out, it goes through the guy's skull. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Yep. Huh. Good stuff. Uh, <laughs> so the film the film basically ends with uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead getting in the car with Leland Orser and him being like, "Where where do we go?" And she goes home, and then that's it. Where yeah, wherever the hell that is. And that's that's, that's why I want to see more because that was one thing that I didn't quite. Uh, I don't want to say that I wasn't on board with it, but I feel like that they needed to expound on it more where the the reasoning behind all of this why yeah. did claire want him so bad for their group now the the they do say the couple um say that oh with his knowledge we'll be able to expand like so much expand the group so much or whatever but i didn't mm-hmm. i i don't understand that i don't i don't get what he has because he I, seems I, like a completely useless mess. He kind of does, it, it, but it seems like maybe that would give their cult some legitimate legitimacy because now you have the four. Oh yeah, whatever the hell he thinks he is. I guess he thinks he's a scholar. <laughs> he thinks he's something. <laughs> Mind control and on cults and everything, and now you have this guy on your side. I guess. But, yeah, but and kind of when they do point that out that, you know, oh, with his knowledge and everything, it's kind of like, well, it seems like Claire slash Ira is better at this than yeah, he is. Yeah, she so knows. I don't think you really need him. The, the, just the way that she manipulated everybody. I mean, just to think that everything that happened before that was all an act. It was pretty good. It's was, it was a pretty good yeah. act that she put on there. It works. It was handled. It was all handled. Quite well. So I guess that that was just kind of a nitpick that I had. I, I wanted a little bit more reasoning behind them because they went. I mean, such lengths, such lengths to get him, and he just seems like such a useless pile. <laughs> He's just a fuck. But maybe that's what that, that, that's what they're doing now. Is now they're going to build him back up, mold him into what they need. Because they just they not only did they deprogram him, brainwash him into the cult, but they just the guy's a blank slate. Yeah, now. yeah. He's just worthless pile of nothing. Yeah. And now they're just gonna mold him. Yeah, that's true. I guess for their cult. I guess. Cults. Oh, cults. I always have a soft spot for movies about cults. I don't know why. I just. Well, thank God this wasn't real, because you would be in faults right now. <laughs> Fucking movie uh, brainwashed. You. I don't know, dude. There is a there is a Church of Scientology. Not not too far from my apartment. Better oh, you better goodness. watch out, or or else one of, one of these days on an on an upcoming episode, I'm going to be talking about what is, Thetans or whatever the hell they they have. I don't know what they're about. I think all, all I know is there's like planets, and or is that Mormonism? <laughs> I can't. Remember. I don't know. I can't remember. Well, there's gonna that. Uh, I think there's planets and stuff, and like. Aliens. That, right? that Alex Gibney documentary about Scientology's this this week on HBO, this week or next week on HBO. So, oh, so we'll get it all cleared up by then. Yeah. Uh. All right. Any final spoilers for faults? 
no spoilers, but don't you think you should give this a 10 out of 10? Because it essentially effectively brainwashed <laughs> you into joining vaults. Uh, no. Which isn't a real cult, but you're, you're like completely ready to sign up. I didn't say I was ready to sign up. I said that I, I wanted to learn more about their No, their no, ethos. earlier you said you were getting ready to get all of, I was, all of your possessions. Well, obviously I was joking. But... No, you weren't. You're in a cult. I'm gonna okay. I admit it. I am in faults. There, faults is real, and I'm in it. That would be crazy. And it's actually run by Leland Orser now, <laughs> not the character, the, the actual actor. <laughs> Leland Orser. <laughs> oh God. All right, check out faults in theaters and VOD now. Thank you for listening.